When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. It's my annual pilgrimage to the Pacific Northwest. Hello, everyone. I am Don McDonald, and welcome to the Talking Real Money radio show slash podcast. I am Don McDonald, one of the two hosts of the program. The other one, Tom Cock, is in the other room because. Well, as we have done every year for 10 years now, uh, Tom and I are hosting an event called Retire Meet, which takes place in Bellevue, Washington, which is actually going on live right now. Tom's in the big room over there with Paul Merriman answering questions for people who are attending the event uh, while they eat their lunches. I got an early start on my lunch so that I could do the show with you. I uh, have a uh, a huge audience here uh, in my little room where I'm doing the show. Uh, it's grown now. For, no, almost, almost got so close. It almost tripled, almost tripled. But for now, it's just my wife. Hi, Deb. Oh, okay. The dog, my wife and the dog. Oh, the crowd's doubling, though. So, you know, it's going to get exciting in here, I'm sure. Anyway, I'm Don McDonald, and I welcome your calls because I am live on a Saturday, and you can call me right now at 855-935-8255. And luckily for you, if you don't have a head for numbers, the last four digits spell talk. 855-935-TALK. Now, the crowd, look, it's growing. It's tripled. Tripled. Give me a call, 855-935-8255. And, of course, here at Retire Me, what are we talking about? We're talking about managing your wealth for the purpose of and when you are in retirement, which, by the way, is a relatively new concept. We think there's some American tradition of retirement, you know, the gold watch, the pension, the, uh, the, the, the security of rocking on the porch with your spouse in old age. But, you know, retirement as we know it, retirement period, is a very new invention. As a matter of fact, I talked earlier today about this. In the 19th century, well into the early 20th century, retirement as a concept was unheard of. People didn't retire from work. People didn't get old enough to retire. In 1880, just the 19th century, in case you were wondering, um, less than 4% of Americans were over the age of 65. Now think about that for a minute. That's not a lot of people. And of those, how many were not working or what we would call retired today? 
It's not very many. About 12, I'm sorry, 22% of those over 65 who made up a tiny percentage of the population were not working for a living. And most of those were supported by their working families. So nobody was retiring in the 19th century. It took a long time before there were even retirement vehicles. By the year 1900, the dawn of the 20th century, you think that pensions were, because we talk about it a lot, how pensions, well, we used to have pensions, but now we got to do it on our own. Well, we didn't have pensions for very long as a, as the normative retirement. In 1899, just before the new century, there were just 13 private pensions in America. People did not retire. Now, fast forward to the 2000s. By the year 2000, 120 years later, after 1880, 17% of the population, as opposed to four, got to the age of, got to 65 or, or older. So now we have a large cohort of people who are no longer, or who are, who are older and in some cases no longer able to work. And of those, the number who are still working is just a little under 18%. The vast majority are retired. Things change, and they change historically a lot faster than we think. We're going to talk about how you invest for it and a lot more. Give me a call, 855-935-TALK. Tom and Don are talking real money. In medicine, a second opinion might save your life. With investing, a second opinion might save your future. The trick is getting one without a high-pressure sales pitch. Well, I'm Don McDonald, and if you've been listening to Talking Real Money, you know that our goal is to help everyone create a brighter future by investing and managing money better. That's why, in addition to helping everyone on our show and podcast, we are also committed to making our 100% fiduciary advisors at Appella available to help everyone make the best financial decisions based on science. So if you're being pitched a financial product or a system, make sure you get a second opinion with no cost, no obligation and no annoying sales pitch by going to talkingrealmoney.com or call 800-386-3004 that's 800-386-3004 or talkingrealmoney.com your guides to a really great financial future tom and don are talking real money Hi, welcome back to the Maidenbauer Center in Bellevue, Washington. Retire Meet 2024, the 10th Retire Meet we've done here. I'm Don McDonald. I'm talking real money. Tom's in the room next door with Paul Merriman talking to the big old crowd in there. But I have my tiny little audience here. I have two people in my audience. And one of them wanted to ask a question. And her name is Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. Hello. What's your question? So, um... I have my retirement funds and my brokerage account with a large company that I've been very happy with all these years. Mm -hmm. And last year during my annual review, for the first time, 
um, someone pitched me, the person who did my review, which has never happened before. And I went ahead and changed my balance of my brokerage account. Um, so changed the portfolio the allocation? Portfolio. Yeah. Right, so the you, allocation. Okay. So you were before what? 60-40. Uh, 60% stock, 40% bonds. Correct. What did they change you to? 50-50. Okay, so a more conservative mix. Right. Did they base that on anything, or how did they arrive at that portfolio allocation? Well, when they do the review, they ask you a lot of questions, tell you what's going on in your accounts. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, the question posed to me was, you know, have you considered changing? And then next thing I know, you know, my fault, uh, I listened and went ahead and let the let them make the change and then I called back two weeks later and said you know I think this was a mistake because I thought through it and in order to change it back I would have to call back in 90 days have it reviewed again blah 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 hmm. okay so um, you went what was your what's your portfolio in what kind of mutual funds are you in do you know do you know any other names uh, no I don't no okay. and I know better than this because I okay. listen to you every week <laughs> Nobody remembers these things. It's okay. So when this happened, what was the downside? Why did you do you regret making that decision? Because once I saw it through, my view, um, I'm older, and my view was I would probably lose money. And so, you know, the stock market's done really well the last 12 months. But it's not clear to me what the bond market has done and, ah, and they're okay see, uh, you're concerned about the bond market yeah so what you're what you what you're doing is you're 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 having you're you're experiencing what many of us experience it's a recency bias thing oh. you've been looking at the bond market and you've been like the bond market kind of stinks i don't want to be in more bonds right oh, correct so they put you in more bonds and you're thinking this is a bad thing for me right Historically, this has been a very good thing for mm -hmm. you. And I don't mean historically recently. Mm -hmm. I mean historically 100 years. Yes. Okay, what has happened? What we just saw happen a year or so ago to bonds, where they declined so much, was a an aberration that, that was to be expected because rates got lower than they had ever been historically. Oh. Okay, so that is all built in. You're past that. You're not. Ex you did not experience that with that extra 10% of your portfolio. So now going forward, you're going to be almost all in these higher yielding bonds. You didn't buy a bunch of one and two percent bonds. Oh, you got in recently to the four and the fives. Okay. So you're going to be in much better shape. And the and believe it or not, the this this advisor did you a huge service. Okay. They actually took your portfolio, and this is so hard to do because we don't like selling the things that have gone up mm -hmm. and buying the things that have been down. But you just did that, which is exactly what you should do. It's the hardest thing in the world to do, but your advisor did the right thing for you. Okay. I'm 75, which I think that might have been built into it or just, not. Does it matter? part of it. That is a part of it. Okay. But a part of it is, even just talking to you right now, I can tell that if the stock market went crazy bad for a while, you're going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. What she's doing is making that pain less than it would have been. Okay. Because the stock market is the more volatile place, not bonds. Right. Stocks are where you get the big declines, the 20, the 30, the 40% mm -hmm. potential declines. Mm -hmm. But if you're 50-50, and we have a 
50% stock market decline, your portfolio is only going to go down about 12, I mean, about 25%. Okay. So it's, this was a really, I believe this was a fiduciary, fiduciarily sound decision. Okay. It's uncomfortable today, but I'm confident that a few years from now when we suffer a big decline, mm-hmm. you're going to go, boy, that was a good idea. Whew. I am sure glad I, I missed that. Okay. Okay? Okay. So right. I think your, your advisor did a great job for you. Okay. Thank right you thing. very much. As long as you're in the right funds. And again, I don't right. know what yeah. those are. So. Right. Okay. But you can call later and tell us. Okay. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Thanks for coming to Retire Meet. Uh-huh. And so you having fun? I am. It's always really interesting. This is the second time I've come. And the speakers are always great. You really do get a lot of information that you did not know prior. Now, just, I mean, you've only done half the day so far. Right. You know? So you've missed, you, you've missed out on like Weston Wellington and Paul. And, well, no, you heard Paul. And no pressure, but so who who, who was the best speaker so far? Oh, gee, I wonder. I'm just I, no. I'm I, 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 I'm know? totally. I want. I want to know. <laughs> I just. I'm trying to help the firm, and okay. so yeah. Who, who was the best speaker? Well, if you say Tom, you're in such trouble. Uh, Herb Wiseman. Okay, all right. That's much Wise better Tom. answer than Tom. All right, I can ha- I can live with that one. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks, Cheryl. Appreciate okay. it. Thanks for coming. Uh-huh. All right, take care. And if you want to call. I'm here. I can take your call just like we always do at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And it's absolutely, positively easy, painless. So give me a call. Tom is going to be dropping by a little bit later on. Paul Merriman is going to drop by for a moment. I have no idea when. This is very loosey-goosey. I'm hoping Weston Wellington will come by for a minute. Oh, look, I wish for it, and my wish is granted, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the man himself, the legend, the icon, the incredible songster of, uh, of, of days of yore from the wonderful group called Dimensional Funds. I need to choke up on the mic a little there, dude. Uh, <laughs> the inimitable. How many more words can I think of? Oh, Weston Wellington. Please, please, stop stop right there. I'm getting embarrassed. <laughs> hey, Weston, it is so good to see you. Good to be here. Weston, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about you. You work for Dimensional Funds, and what is what are you? Well, I consider myself a financial historian. I'm not an expert on math or engineering or physics or financial engineering, and we have a lot of those folks at Dimensional. You do have a lot so of those what folks. I, yeah. What, what I, I try mean, to do yeah. is to take the conclusions of rigorous academic research and then see if I can explain it in language anyone's grandmother can understand. Now, one of your literally most famous presentations, one that we still talk about to this day, uh, and by the way, there's a funny story we once mentioned on the air uh, the title of your former presentation, yeah. Investment Pornography. And somebody complained. And somebody said, I have children in the car. Yeah, So, uh, so, So we now call it Cheesecake. Yeah, very good. Investment Cheesecake. Uh, so <clears throat> what What was the idea behind that? That thing really resonated with people. Well, it actually was, uh, I give credit to Jane Bryant Quinn, uh, one of the more responsible financial journalists, in my opinion. And in this article in Newsweek, back when there was a print edition of Newsweek, she essentially scolded her readers for indulging in what she referred to 
Is it investment cheesecake? Investment cheesecake. We'll use that phrase. Cheesecake. Well, we don't want to offend the children in the back seats. But she recognized that there's a reason for it. You know, people who are, if only we could predict the future, we would be so much richer. If only we could own just the great companies and not the also rand, we would be so much richer. And there's someone always ready to tell us which ones those are. My my guest is Weston Wellington from Dimensional Funds. Give us a call, 855-935-TALK. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Hello, welcome back to our action-packed live show in Bellevue at the Maidenbauer Center. I'm Don McDonald, talking real money, along with Weston Wellington. And Weston is truly a tremendous speaker. I love his presentations. Uh, I'm so glad he works for Dimensional, a, a company that I truly admire, because you do add brilliance there. I mean, yes, Eugene Fama? Yes, we have. Uh, the firm has been associated with... Uh, Five individuals who've received a Nobel Prize in economics over the years. So what's the I'm significance, though? What, what is the significance of that compared to just any other mutual fund company? What makes their work so special? Well, first of all, it's not just their work. Now, all of those individuals I just mentioned uh, have been associated with Dimensional. But as Ken French, a, a professor of finance at Dartmouth, likes to say, who's also a consultant of the firm, he says all the finance professors in the world are working for Dimensional. They just don't know it. Now, what does he mean by that? He means that wherever there's some new insight, whether it came from within the walls of Dimensional or the offices of the professors we work with, but wherever the knowledge bubbles up that we think is enlightening and should be applied, we'll use it. But what is the difference between... The enlightenment, the ideas, the science that you will and they and dimensional and the like will follow compared to the traditional Wall Street methods of managing money. Well, the traditional Wall Street methods of managing money is find some smart guy or gal who can predict the future. And it's very appealing to think we can predict the future. And certainly it in most industries or most professions, you, you want a doctor who studied and is going to apply that knowledge. And it seems logical to many people, well, surely if you're a brilliant economist, you should be able to have a better ability to predict the future than the rest of us. Do they? Well, it turns out, no, they don't. Because markets are responding to information, new information, literally every day. If it's obvious that something is going to affect XYZ company in the year ahead, it will probably be reflected in the price already today. It won't wait for the year to show up. And so when you're asking yourself, can this individual predict the future, what you're really asking him or her to do is to have even greater insight than the collective wisdom of millions of other market participants. That turns out to be a very tall order. And yet, the still the norm, and it's changing. I've got an article that says it's changing. Uh, it's changing, but why then do so many investors persist in the belief? I, CNBC's audience is still big. Fox Business still big. They believe that these people are going to share with them some insight that's going to make them more money. There's a considerable body of research, not in the economic profession specifically, but in psychology, on this very issue. 
And it's interesting that the individual who received the Nobel Prize in economics in 2002 had never taken a course in economics and had never taught economics. So it was Daniel Kahneman, a psychology, psychology expert. And one of the pervasive characteristics that he and other researchers have latched on to is that for whatever reason, humans have evolved to be overconfident. We think we know more than we do. And it's pervasive. Actually, it turns out that men are even more overconfident than women. Uh, and when it comes no to surprise when, there, it, Debbie, when right? it comes to financial <laughs> practice, it te that tends to mean that men trade their accounts in stocks more often, more frequently than women do. Mm -hmm. And because those that frantic trading tends to penalize your returns, on average, women do better as investors than men do. So we're all overconfident. What but we, the men are even more overconfident than the women. What do we do about that, though? Because that behavior, that mindset is so hard to change. And it's not like everybody has access to an investment psychologist. Exactly. That's that's the challenge that many investors face is coming to grips with your own innate bias towards overconfidence. And it's one reason why, for many investors, having an, a, a professional advisor who's well aware of these innate biases that are that are hard to ignore and try to build some firewalls around those and you think an advisor does that that they provide a firewall i think it's one of the not the only job but i think it's one of the jobs that a good financial advisor provides we're going to take a quick break if weston welling can can stay along uh, around for a little while longer i would appreciate it because these insights are tremendously valuable for you tremendously valuable this is an education you are just not going to get anywhere else 855-935-TALK is the number we're talking real money tom and don are talking real money We're talking real money. Welcome to the show from the Maidenbauer Center at Retire Meet 2024, our 10th Retire Meet. I'm Don McDonald, and I just had a wonderful special guest guy wander into my little studio area here, Weston Wellington, who's with Dimensional Funds and is one of the many brilliant voices of Dimensional Funds. We do love the Dimensional Funds people. We think their educational outreach is better than anyone's literally better than anyone's and you know i've been doing this for 40 years and i don't think anybody does it better we are talking about our biases towards or against doing what's right when it comes to investing we are would you say our own worst enemies some of us are what percentage of do you know do you have any idea what the percentage of people now who are following this more passive not actively managed approach is it is it growing at least it, it's certainly growing i am old enough to remember when the very first index type mutual funds were launched uh at the institutional level they came out in the early 1970s vanguard launched the very first retail investor oriented mutual fund in 1976 and i can distinctly remember the day it happened Wow. I was working as a stockbroker in the Boston office of a brokerage firm. And there's what's called a broad tape, a big roll of paper uh, in the back of the office. It would spit out printed news items. There was no you know, TV screens back then. And people would wander by and, they, hey, Procter & Gamble just raised a dividend, you know, something like that. Yeah. 
So one day in August of 1976, the resident wit in the office walked by the broad tape and said, Hey, fellas, listen to this. Vanguard launches S&P 500 Index Mutual Fund. Hey, guess what? They're going to do a nationwide search for a high school graduate to run the portfolio. <laughs> well, no one's laughing now. At that time, all of the obviously all of the 10 largest mutual funds in America were all actively managed, mm -hmm. having allegedly clever stock pickers. Fast forward to today, the 10 largest mutual funds in America are all index funds who have no stock pickers at all. Well, what happened? Why did that take place was there some massive advertising campaign on the part of these index funds that was successful no it was just proof of the pudding is in the eating now as victor hugo once remarked you can resist the invasion of armies you cannot resist the invasion of ideas oh he is such a and this idea story. that broad diversification putting the harnessing the power of markets to set prices properly and then minimizing your costs, it's not flashy, it's not sexy, but over time, it allows you to compound your wealth at a greater rate. And what's that's the, the invasion. What's the difference, though? Indexing has become gigantic. Yes. Gigantic. Yes. But Vanguard and Fidelity, they're the, they're the land of, uh, of indexing. Dimensional doesn't traditionally index. What do we they don't do? What's we different? don't index in the typical way. So when people ask us, well, what's your philosophy? Are you active? Are you passive? I go, well, let us explain it, what we do, and then you decide what label you want to put on us. The oh, founders good, I get of, to put the label on Yeah, it? you get to oh, put thank it. You. The founders right. of Dimensional were some of the very first originators at some of the largest banks in this country in the very first index funds. And then David Booth the founder of Dimensional, had an idea. He said, you know, all these index funds, they're basically tracking the, the S&P 500, large companies. But I learned in graduate school, the whole market consists of not just the large companies, but lots of other companies that are small. But there was no way, there was no index fund to give you a broad exposure to shares of small companies. So he went around to several prospective pension funds and said, all of your money managers are buying large company stocks. Yeah. Well, what if I offered you a, a strategy that would have give you broad exposure to the whole universe of small cap company stocks? Would you find that appealing? A lot of the first seven institutions he talked to, four of them said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I mean, that's how the company my return, basically. They're, they're but thinking if you think about it, at the time, there was no small company index to track. Even if we wanted to track an index, there was no index. There is one today, the Russell 2000 and so forth. So Dimensional had to huddle with finance professors and figure out, well, how would you go about building and managing a portfolio of 2,000-odd small companies with no index to track? How would you do it? And without going to all the details, we came up with some very simple rules that we still follow today. Talking with Weston Wellington on Talking Real Money. Tom and Don are talking real money. 
Do you suffer from hodgepodgeitis? I'm Don McDonald, and hodgepodgeitis is a disease of your investment portfolio whose symptoms include lots of stocks, loads of random loaded mutual funds, and maybe an annuity or two. Most who suffer from hodgepodgeitis dread opening their quarterly portfolio statements. They feel lost and confused. Investing seems overwhelming and the financial future uncertain. If you believe you suffer from hodgepodgeitis, see a 100% fiduciary investment advisor immediately. A proper diagnosis is the first step to creating a portfolio with a purpose based on a personal plan. Start on the road to recovery now by scheduling a free meeting with an Appella advisor at TalkingRealMoney.com. There is no cost, obligation, or high-pressure sales pitch. Take the first step at TalkingRealMoney.com or call 800-386-3004. Hodgepodgeitis is not a real disease, but treating it has been shown to improve mood, reduce fear, and even lead to a brighter financial future. Results may vary. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. I am thrilled to be talking with Weston Wellington, somebody I really admire. He uh, works with dimensional funds. He's like the translator that translates the mathematics that all these Nobel Prize winners scrawl out on a blackboard and, and, and makes it understandable for the rest of us who look at an equation and go, I don't know what that says. Uh, Weston works for dimensional funds. Great guy. Uh, great information. Now, something that comes up on our little podcast every now and again is new stuff. New stuff. Like the other day, we talked about <laughs> these new covered call writing ETFs. Great idea. Some of them were like the Wall Street Journal said they were. Some of them were quoting 96% returns. There are all these new things. Hmm. What do you think of all the new stuff that Wall Street creates? I'm reminded of the passage in the Bible, nothing new under the sun. I can remember when the very first option income funds came out because exchange-traded options didn't exist until like 1973, as I recall it, maybe a little bit later. And when they did, there was a lot more transparency and trading in options. And just to cut to the chase, there's no free lunch. When you do covered calls, for example, okay, you buy a stock, you sell an option that confers the... Uh, the right to buy those shares at a higher price. And you're saying, okay, I sell the option on a $70 stock to sell it at 80 and I get $2 for it. And great, if it gets called away, I went from 70 to 82. Great, I made money. Okay. But then when it's called away, then you've got cash and suppose the stock goes to 90. Can't get back in. You're going to be chasing it. You're giving up that extra appreciation. So when you sort it all out, when you try to find convincing, persuasive evidence that somehow a covered call strategy is going to give me a more appealing portfolio result over time than some alternative, just more simpler, X amount in stocks, X amount in more conservative fixed income, you don't find this a compelling reason. But and we that's do. one reason why these funds have been around for a long time, and we haven't seen them become enormously but every once in a while, though, we do see something new in the investment yes. business. Uh, and I would imagine that a lot of folks on Wall Street would like to create something new every 32 minutes. Probably. But of the new things, of the things that, that Dimensionals people and all of these other academics have come up with that really explain the market and can help investors 
make more money on their portfolios. What do you think are the one or two most powerful things that they've discovered? Well, it's not so much what academics have discovered. There, there's a distinction or here. Or found in are their there data. new types of securities? And in some cases, there are. We didn't have, for example, inflation-linked bonds 30 or 40 years ago. True. They didn't exist. Well, now they do. Are they an important asset class? They could be. I mean, they're, they're a tool that some investors, depending on how concerned you are about protecting specifically against inflation. You know, people often talk about an inflation hedge, but things like gold or even stocks, they're not a reliable inflation hedge. Well, what about small, the small in value premium? The, 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 the discussion of, uh, and this was some of the work that Fama and French did, uh, on the value of overweighting small and right. value. Right. So as academics began to pour into the, the rates of return on all sorts of types of securities, they're constantly looking for, well, if markets are working perfectly, what would we expect to see? Are there differences in expected returns among different types of stocks? Now, there were lots of rules of thumb that sounded appealing. Some people would claim, oh, stocks that pay dividends are more rewarding over time than stocks that don't. Well, that sounds plausible to some people at least, but you can test this. And when you have the computers that the academics had access to, they could find, oh, actually, no, the data doesn't support that. Some dividend-paying stocks do better, some do worse. It's not a reliable factor in distinguishing how one type of stock might do better than another. Well, what does work? Well, some of the earliest research zeroed in on the so-called small firm effect, that if you just bought the bottom 10%, for the sake of argument, by size... You, you, you overweight Red Robin Burger mm -hmm. compared to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. McDonald's is about a thousand times the size of Red Robin Burger. Same business, just bottomless fries, though. Just, Can't uh, be beat you too. know, little tiny company versus a big company. If you have thousands of little tiny companies, on average, they do better than a portfolio of big companies. Not every year. Not even every five or ten years, but it's it puts the odds in your favor. It seems pretty obvious. What took us so long to figure this out? One of the things the academics like to point out is that you show me a money manager or a factor that did well for five or ten years, that may seem very persuasive to an individual investor. It's not at all persuasive to the financial So they investors. want what? The return. They want, they say, 50 to 20 years. Well, now we're starting to see. It's like, it's like a radio station with lots of static. You can hear the music in the mm -hmm. background. Mm -hmm. You want to get a stronger signal. How strong is strong? 30 or 40 years, now we're starting to come to a conclusion. But that's now, how long it takes now because you, the returns are so noisy. Okay, and I can get that because there's just so there, – there are too many variables. Too many variables. Now, you mentioned gold, <laughs> which uh, we still get our gold bugs every once in a while calling in and explaining to us why gold is so superior to fiat currencies. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> but what I want to ask you about, because I am going to take the heat for this. You will be gone. Right. Okay. You will well, be gone. I can, you can pin so the blame on me. No, no, no. I'm going to take it. I, right. I'm used to these people. They right. beat me up regularly, and All I can right. take it. Crypto. Crypto. Tell, talk to me about your perception and Dimensional's perception and these academics' perception of cryptocurrencies, the 8,000 of them out there, and Bitcoin. So let's go back to when Bitcoin first appeared on the scene. There's this mysterious individual... I'm probably mangling a name, Satoshi Nakamoto, 
who wrote this paper, maybe it was a man, maybe it's a woman, maybe the person doesn't exist, maybe it's more than one person, whoever it is has disappeared, but it lays out this vision of the future. You have this clever blockchain technology which will allow a system that won't require a trusted third party like a bank, for example, to verify transactions to make us confident that we're, it's, it's safe. It'll all be done by computer code. And that's a very that was a very appealing vision. And it still is. And that was the underlying attraction to the idea of Bitcoin, that somehow this would pave the way for a very low cost, almost frictionless method of transferring money or something akin to money. OK, so here we are. It's 2024. And. How many people, if this were a larger audience, I would say, how many people today are using Bitcoin or some kind of crypto thing to buy a house, to do anything, buy a car, uh, send money overseas or to their grandchildren? I never see anybody raise their hand. If they're using crypto, it's to trade it back and forth. A speculation. So, but what, are, what other technologies were introduced at roughly the same time? The original Bitcoin idea came up. Uber. Mm -hmm. What year was it? it? You know, 2008. Oh, Uber. Yeah, yeah some really cool the ideas. Apple iPad. Yeah. Zoom video conferencing. I mean, I've used all these things. And with, there's millions of people using those things. They've been widely embraced. By the time a technology, a so-called revolutionary technology, is 10 or 12 years old, you either expected to see wide adoption throughout the economy, or you kind of give up. It never really worked. Now, some people will claim, well, maybe crypto isn't going to work, but this whole blockchain idea is really appealing. Maybe so. But, but you're not I, investing but, in blockchain I, when you're I investing in But I noticed that even big companies like IBM and Maersk, the big shipping container, global giant, they spent tens of millions of dollars. Weston, and they haven't been able to find a use for it. Weston Wellington, thank you so much. and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Right. Weston Wellington actually sang his way out of the room. I know. And you know, I can't <laughs> believe I'm gone for like 30 seconds. You already have somebody in my spot. I mean, it's literally like body's not even yeah. cold yet. And you get, the, get this white hair, good voice for radio. Yeah. Uh, knows more than I do, without a doubt. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not, I wasn't going to say I that. You're being kind. Uh, you know, it's uh, funny. His yeah, jokes yeah, are funnier. Yeah. So, who's better looking, Deb, Tom or Weston? <laughs> oh, man. She's dependent on me for dinner tomorrow night, uh, okay. so she has to be yeah, relatively she be really careful. Nice. Yeah, yeah, she's got to so, be careful. Okay. He's a great guest. Like a, he's a great yeah, he guest. He really is. He's really good. He knows um, what he's doing. I'm sorry, but you really should go ahead and put in for retirement. That's it? Yeah. How soon can I get, if I claim Social Security on Monday, how soon does the check get there? Hopefully Tuesday, because you're going to need <laughs> I'm it. I'm going to need it, like now. Yeah, we're coming up on the end of this hour. We really uh, appreciate you being there. Tom is back from your, your, uh, your question and answer. How was it? With Paul, it was great. You know, I mean, he, of course, the the issue with Paul, and he admits it, is he can't give a two or three minute answer. It has to be five minutes, right? With with footnotes. With footnotes. I mean, he used to do, as you remember, a six and eight hour, he used to six and eight hour classes. And people yes. would sit there with going, okay, let's start in 1970 and see how small cap value did that year versus the, I mean, he knows, he knows all this stuff. So no, it was good. You know, he's, he's, I think the energy he has at 80 is remarkable. Oh, Weston's back to sing oh, some more. Is it? He's, 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 oh, no, he left his, he left something. I'm going to steal it so that I can keep it. That's and mine. 
You can't have you. You can't have mine. He's going to keep singing. So anyway, it was good. It's been and it's been a great day. We're getting a lot of positive comments. Now, um, Weston will be speaking here live at Retire Meet at uh, one fifteen uh, Pacific time. Yeah, coming right one, up. Uh, yeah, or four fifteen Eastern. Um, and by I just realized he could people if they want to hear Weston speak, they can still sign up. Yep, you could still get on and watch and, it virtually yep, yep. for five dollars that goes to charity. Yep. Five not bucks us. goes yep. to charity, not to us. So you could still listen to uh, listen to Weston speak. His presentations, as you heard, are incredible. Yeah, they're very good. I mean, he he pulls from a lot of information. He's got great stories around all this, and he knows history well, as he said about the blockchain. Well, what else worked that year? Uber, et cetera, et cetera. Other technologies. Turns out that yeah, two thousand eight till now, if it was really going to be all about blockchain. We'd see more of it today. I'll put it that way. So now, what are you going to be? Are you going to be around for the next hour, or do I'm I have to find be, another co-host? Yeah, there's a, I, any probably anybody in the audience is going to be better than I'm going to be. So I'd pick randomly Debbie. I've always you guys, you and Debbie used to do we, a show together. Let's not mention Debbie. It was very Debbie, short lived. But Debbie, should he talk about our show that we used to do? Short lived show. No, she's considering it. Look at that. Really? She might, she's like, that's oh, not that bad. Our radio show on Business Radio Network. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> she's no. I was good. No, you said. can't talk about she that. She said she's good, not you. If yeah, that's all she yeah, said. So anyway. That's probably true. Uh, well, when so you come, I'll be around a little okay, bit. Okay, yeah, come in, here. bring Paul over. We're going to do I some stuff. I didn't about that. I can get Paul. Yeah, I told Paul to come over okay, and visit. I'll and and so if you want to sign up for the rest of the classes, yep. which is Weston. West, now you're going to put me on the spot. I you and a, I have a Q&A. Yeah, we do. It's we have a Weston, Q&A. And it's oh, uh, Rebecca about uh, about purpose and retirement. Purpose and retirement. Yeah. And so then a Q&A. Available. So, yeah, just go, go to retirement. If you sign up, then yeah. I guarantee we will send you a link when this is all available. Oh, so you time. can watch the whole thing. Correct. Which is another reason to sign up. So yeah. Be on the list. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just go to retiremeet.com and sign up. And uh, I, I do have a call waiting for the next hour. Sorry, we did. We had a really wonderful guest. And so I put the calls off. But if you want to call, if you want to call us here, it's 855 Nine three five talk eight five five nine three five eighty two fifty five as uh, we try to help you manage money better in all of its various respects on this little get together we call talking real money. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. 
Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. Is anybody still listening? <laughs>